the other day, I think it was Saturday, when our families all came over here and ate dinner, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, I went to the, at some point I went to the store to get paper towels, I think it was. And I decided to go into the beer uh, freezer at the grocery store and, and get some beer. And I was, you know how um, Farm Fresh has their beer set up where it's like one In the side, cold storage? Right. And one side is like the craft beer or the, like the local beer or whatever, mm-hmm. whatever the, whatever the beer higher ups want to call it. And on the other side, it's like, you know, Budweiser, Miller, stuff like that. It's like the low rent stuff, right? Like, right. Like this is the snooty They're side. Divi- yeah. This is the hillbilly side. Right. <clears throat> so anyways, I'm looking at the snooty side. I'm trying to figure out what I want to get. And I see this beer. I can't remember what it was called, but I saw like vanilla on it. Right. And I saw like made with real vanilla beans. <laughs> and I'm mm. looking at it. And I'm like, that sounds kind of good. Good. But, yes. But I'm looking at it and then I'm thinking like, I, I think that sounds good to me because I really just want like a piece of cake. <laughs> like, I really just yeah. want, like I want this beer to taste like ice cream is what I want. That's yeah, the so only reason that cream. sounds good to me. Right. right? <clears throat> so I, I, I decided I just, I, I, I went to my natural side, right? I went to the, my heritage side and I just grabbed some cores and left. I was, I was done with it. And I kind of, and I know I've expressed this opinion on beer before, but this just made me realize it again. And I think I'm going to double down on this uh, opinion. I think all beer is to some extent gross. There is no beer that tastes good, right? Like all beer is disgusting. Uh, I mean, <clears throat> are you saying that objectively? Because people yeah. will disagree with you. I am saying that objectively, yes. As a man who doesn't believe in a lot of things objectively, for you to come out and say beer is objectively yes, I think yes. Terrible. I think everyone can agree on some level beer is gross. Like, the, like I, I want to meet the person who can honestly say the first time they ever drank a beer, they were like, oh, this is great. This is delicious, right? That's not how it happens. The first know. time you drink a beer, you're like, this is disgusting. Why do people drink this, right? Is that your first experience with beer? The first time you drank a beer, what did you think? Look, I'm the wrong person to be asking. If, if Because you're an alcoholic? <laughs> well, because I'm not a big drinker. I, I, okay, exactly. I'm just really susceptible in terms of not to alcohol, but I get headaches. Mm-hmm. I think it's the what, gluten or whatever's in beer. I don't know. I don't know. Um, but, but just on a taste level. But look, if I'm honest, right? It tastes gross. My first beer was not good. Yeah. Okay. Exactly. Um, but and but what I've, other what other food can you think of that that you took one bite of and was like, this is gross. Let me keep on eating it until it tastes good. No. Oh, food. Yeah, I've got a few that you thought was gross, <laughs> and so you kept on eating it because. You were trying to convince yourself that it was good. Um, 
<clears throat> Wheat not thins like have a new pop chip, <laughs> w- sour cream flavored, uh-huh. that are some of the most disgusting things I've ever. But you eaten. keep eating them. I keep eating because I bought them. They're in my office. But you will never buy them again, right? I've had a few chips in there where I was like, "God help me!" I you will never go back to the store and buy another box of popped wheat thins through through hate eating them i've kind of maybe no, come around i don't believe it i i I, w- I would argue i do think that there are foods that you can eat through i, I, th- I think food is a bad example because sure. i think there are some people who like maybe for that genuinely that you can eat through right but then you good. will never then go back to the store and buy that food again you will never be at the store and be like oh i remember that one time i had this thing and it was totally disgusting let me get another one <laughs> you are totally springing this on me, but I know that there's a great example no, of something isn't. that's really there bad was, for you. If there was a great example, you would be thinking of it right <laughs> that's now. That's really bad for you, but I like... You know what the great example really is? Really bad processed food that's disgusting. It's, just, it's that's beer. Disgusting. It's beer. And beer's gross, and yet people convince themselves that it's good. That's why there's so many flavors. That's why there's so many people brewing beer, because they're like, this could be so good. Let me Try put my again. own spin on it. Right. (laughs) Let me spend a week doing whatever you do to it is to make beer. And you know what it tastes like when you're done? It tastes like beer and all beer tastes gross. So why not just buy the ten (laughs) dollar nine, the ten dollar case of Coors beers? Right. Because ten dollars doesn't even get you six bottles of that other garbage that still tastes like beer it all tastes like beer this Coors that i'm drinking right now it tastes similar enough to the finest of fine beers i think you're talking from the hillbilly side <laughs> i think i think you are basically the spokesperson uh-huh and that's exactly what i would think somebody who right now you're drinking a course would be saying i think you're the wrong person to speak for all of humanity <laughs> about beer. I just think all of humanity needs a reality check. They need to own up to it. Like we need to get past this beer snobbery, all that stuff, because ultimately beer is gross. It's gross. It tastes on some level. It tastes gross. Like water is great. I could drink water, name any occasion in my lifetime ever, and I will always be able to drink a water during it, right? You can't say that about beer because beer is gross. I think this is one of the faultiest logic (laughs) arguments you've made. You know why people drink beer? Because they uh, hate themselves. (laughs) Because you've had a long day at work. And you hate work and you're coming home when you're tired. You kind of hate that you you, are still at that job. Right. And so you come home and you're like, you know what? Screw this day. I'm just going to I'm going to push the knife in a little bit deeper. And instead of having like a nice water, I'm going to drink this disgusting beer that at one point in my life, I wouldn't have been been able to finish. At one point in my life, I took one taste of this beer and I thought, why in the world does anybody ever drink this? I think you've really opened up to us here on this <laughs> podcast. I want to thank you, Justin, for sharing because I feel like, you know, we just got a picture into your personal tortured mind. <laughs> uh-huh. 
And I can just imagine a really happy beer drinker right now listening to this <laughs> and not understanding a word that's coming out of your mouth. That's fine. I just would like for that happy beer drinker to admit that on some level, beer is gross. It doesn't taste good. Either the it just tastes gross. I really, I'm drinking a beer right now, and I can tell you, <laughs> it tastes not very good. I mean, I'm. I wish I was a beer drinker so I yeah. could put up more of a defense. All right. So I guess I'm speaking to the not the choir because <laughs> you're speaking to somebody who disagrees, but has speaking no basis the, upon yeah, which to which to counteract you. All right. <laughs> So, ready to start our show? Yeah, I yep. guess so. <laughs> uh, so, uh, we made it back. We're actually back a week later. This is Everything is Interesting. Uh, my name is Justin Blizzard. I'm here with Keith Krepko. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think that's probably the last of the beer talk. Yeah, well, I Unless like to that someone wants using... to come on here and try and defend this uh, abominable creation. <laughs> What what that you're drinking? Right. I I don't know if this helps, but I also want pe- I want people to know that you're you're drinking a Coors. I'm drinking a 16 ounce Coors in an aluminum twist top can. A twist. <laughs> I want that to be noted. It is. He has a twist top. I don't know if that affects the quality of the beer and the taste of it, but mm. this is what you're dealing with. You're dealing with a guy who drinks Coors out of a twist. Right. Top can and and, before, and then complains before about beer. any of you email in. I've had the highest of the highs, right? I've had the best of the best when it comes to beers. Name one, so they know. know. I don't know. I I don't have a name. They're 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 indiscriminate to me. But I've had it, right? I'm not like I'm not this like I'm not the guy that thinks like Blue Moon is hoity toity, right? Like I understand. I understand the hierarchy of beer, right? <laughs> I just think it's stupid because it's all gross. On some level, even a little bit, it's like, this is not refreshing. It's not like, it just is like, I'm just doing this because it changes the way I think. Right? You're just trying to get a little escapism. You're right, just exactly. Trying to get exactly. away from this life. Right. Any means possible. If it means drinking a bad... <laughs> But extremely cold beer, which right. is, I feel like is is right. the distinction of a really good beer, is, is frigid. Yeah. All right. Then it's worth it. All right. Well, today we are going to be talking about uh, a couple of things. We're going to be talking about The Jinx, the HBO show that just ended. We're going to be talking about last week's recommendation of The Noah, which was a movie I recommended. And we're going to be talking about a movie you watch called... Force Majeure, mm-hmm. which I've never heard of. Uh, we're going to be talking about a uh, uh, mobile game called Do Not Believe His Lies. And we will, we've got a little bit of music to talk about. So uh, we're going to take a break and we will come back with the jinx.
but I want to make sure that people know that I know that my beer theory is not completely thought out, but at some point it will be. And at that point, I will bring it back to the show. And he has been drinking Coors, and we all know that low-quality beer affects your logical thinking skills. Mm-hmm. So you're, you're few in, and your brain's running a little yeah. sluggish. I also had what I thought was a pretty good idea for restructuring the calendar year. And, like... <laughs> and, like... Um, Moving some days around. Why don't like we go there? Changing changing hours. So um, we were only like working. So you could work four days a week and have four days a week off, which means there's eight days a week, right? But then <laughs> that means there's less hours in a day, right? I can't remember it now, but at, at one point I was, and it made, I think it, I think it made sense. What was, well, for some of you had a half cocked beer theory <laughs> for you to then be able right. to rethink the whole That's calendar what year. That's made me think of it. That was one idea that I had that I was really proud of, but I never shared it with anybody. So the I'm beer, sure I've got it written down somewhere. So the beer idea was a warm up for you to really tackle the, right. the calendar <laughs> idea. Right. I was just, the beer theory was just getting my foot in the door. <laughs> Now that I have your You're attention, blowing it wide open. let me talk about how ridiculous our calendar year is. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so let's talk about the jinx. Uh, the show ended on Sunday, and you didn't watch the finale for some crazy reason. Care to, to explain there, yourself? There's not enough hours in our current calendar year day. Well, so what if I told you I had an idea to take even more hours out of the day? <laughs> But you There's got, no way. But you got an extra day at the end of the week. Then I'd probably be catching up on the Jinx tomorrow. All I'd right, probably be four true. episodes behind, All and right. I'd be catching up yeah. later on. All right, so, but we can still, uh, I think, talk about the main points. And you said you don't mind being spoiled. And one of the things I want to talk about, you've already been, been spoiled, spoiled, which was one of the things I wanted to talk about, which is on Sunday, all of these news stories broke about Robert Durst being arrested and I read the news story. I didn't see. I didn't see the. Um, I didn't see the tweet that the New York Times put out that everybody was complaining about. I just saw a generic. Robert Durst has been arrested, and I read like the first paragraph of the news story and moved on because I didn't really want to be spoiled, and I don't think just the announcement of him being arrested is a spoiler spoiler, right do you like i kind of would have expected him to be arrested yeah yeah i mean yeah so but what turned out to be the spoiler was that the new york times um either their headline or tweet they put out revealed um what is ultimately the very last line of the series which is robert durst saying uh, I killed I killed them all, obviously. So what happens in the last episode is they do the second interview. They do the second interview, and uh, Jarecki presents the evidence to Durst, and <laughs> he goes into a really bizarre, like, burping fit. <laughs> and Not Jarecki. No, Durst. Durst, right? Durst is like... Um, you know, do these hand, does this handwriting look similar? And all of a sudden, Durst is just like, uh, 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 uh. 
I don't. This is really weird. And um, it's and it's especially weird for a guy who has so many nervous tics, but at the same time he seems so composed, right? Like, oh yeah, he seems like he oh. knows exactly what he's doing. You know, you you just totally summed him up in a way that I yeah. never really. Th- a man who has so many nervous tics yet still comes across as composed. You're absolutely right. That yeah. sent shivers down my spine. Yes. That's what's wrong with. And him. so that was the one moment where you could tell he truly was caught off guard. Um, but anyways, that interview ends and then he goes into the bathroom with his microphone still on and he starts mumbling to himself. And at first I thought he was in the bathroom with a second person just because of, I don't know if it's edited that way. Um, but some of the audio, it just sounds like it's going back and forth. And then he says something like your cot, um, the, what a disaster. And then the la- I believe the very last two things he says is he says, what did you do? And then he says, I killed them all, obviously, or something like that. And then the series ends. That's the end. There is no follow-up after that. That is the end of the series. Um, and that is my biggest problem with the series as a whole as I felt kind of like every episode ended that way. I felt like every episode ended in a weird place and a place that didn't really feel significant enough to be an ending except for the fifth episode. Um, and it also applies to like the introductions to the episodes, right? Because every episode starts with like, I guess a cold open and then there's supposed to be some big thing said and then it goes into that title sequence Mm -hmm. but even those moments always felt like it just the show felt really weirdly edited to me Mm -hmm. do you get that feeling at all like what has been your impression Mm -hmm. of the show so far so you've only seen the first five episodes yeah yeah i'm all caught up to the final you know finale Mm -hmm. um did i think it was edited oddly i feel like the structure was a little odd because of the use of the cutscenes and um, the way that it jumps the timeline a little mm. bit. Um, as it went on, I felt like it got a little more coherent. Yeah. Um, but I do agree that early on, I feel like Jarecki, and maybe it becomes more coherent because you understand why he's putting himself, like, he does become more and more of a player as it right. goes on. The direct direct he does. Yeah. Right. So I kind of some of those oddities early on kind of make sense in the context of the whole. Mm-hmm. But how much does that go to excuse my whole feelings about the oddities early on? Probably not not fully. I probably do agree that especially early on, he could told the story a little more straightforward than he yeah. did. The structure of the series is very weird. Uh some but something I wanted to talk about now I can't really remember. Oh, Jarecki, something that you, I think you start to realize, especially in episode six, but probably in episode five as well, is Jarecki thought this guy was innocent up until a certain point, right? Like in episode six, he talks about how I think he had how he has this relationship with Robert Durst and how he 
maybe not looked up to him, but how he liked him, I guess, how he liked his personality. And I got the feeling that he thought he was innocent. And that's weird, very weird to me for two reasons. The first one is Robert Durst dismembered somebody. Like in his defense, it was I dismembered him. Yes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And his, exactly. And you can argue that he killed that person in self-defense all you want. For you to cut a person into pieces is insane. That makes you a crazy person. That's not something you do, period. Right? Like, to me, that's as much a sign of guilt as anything else. Like, you don't cut somebody up and then dump the body parts in the ocean period, let alone because you think everyone's going to find this guy and just assume you're guilty because all these other people in your life have died. Well, that's just prejudicial thinking. (laughs) I mean, that is insane that anybody could meet. Like, like, I just don't think people are giving that enough weight, right? He cut a person, a human being into pieces and wrapped those pieces in garbage bags and dumped (laughs) them into a, a body of water. Like, like you're a crazy, like, I feel like that should be a crime in and of itself, whether or not you killed the guy in self-defense. You know what I mean? Like, you shouldn't be allowed to cut people up and throw their bodies away, regardless of why you killed them in the first place. I feel like this is a lesson for our children. <laughs> you can't cut people up and throw them in You know in, what I mean? I just trash. feel like that's not something that was addressed in the series. And I feel like... Like they like they in the go back to the jury member from that court case and he that jury member is still adamant that Robert Durst is innocent and just is like I just don't see how anybody could see that could 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 see that that Robert Durst dismembered somebody that is insane right yeah yeah I mean to me I guess I wonder I would love to hear like a hard kind of academic psychological explanation because I kind of feel like at some point, especially with juries, you know, all the studies that have been done about like mob mentality or false positives, right? If enough people like confirm to seeing something that wasn't really there. Yeah. Like people will will start to agree to see the same thing. Mm -hmm. If juries don't work like that somehow where, you have stronger personalities who get sold on a theory that then just kind of bulldoze everybody else. And that man seemed to be like, even when you start, he's like, well, there's just one lady and she's, you know, nice Christian lady. Right. But, and it's like, you really only had to convince one other person to your mm-hmm. adamant. Here we are over a decade later mm-hmm. and you're a hundred percent like, I'm not wavering. And you know, I just don't believe that. Yeah. So, you know, I do think if you go back, you'd, you'd probably get more people who were a little more troubled by that, but maybe who were like, this guy just seemed really adamant that, you know, he was innocent and I ended up just going along with it. You know, what I don't know. I'm, I'm reading into it, but, yeah. but I'm trying to find an explanation because I ultimately agree with you. Right. That, yeah, you. I think I would be seeing now. 
could you say that's not what he was on trial for, right? He was on trial for the right. murder. Right, and I think that was the thing, too. Like, yeah. the dismemberment was inadmissible or something like that. Like, they couldn't take that into account or something. I can't yeah. remember. I think but. that's only if you pay your lawyer over a million dollars. Do you have access to those kind of loopholes? <laughs> right. If if it's under a million, you don't have access to those. Uh, right. And it's funny that you um, bring that up because that was something I wanted to talk about. Uh was was for me this documentary more than or this series more than anything turned for me ended up being about money and like what you can do if you just have a lot of money right like like this guy this guy would have been in jail for the rest of his life after his wife's disappearance if he was just a construction worker right regardless of the complete lack of evidence he would have been put in jail and probably convicted just because he wouldn't have had to the lawyers to defend him. He wouldn't have had the money to give to the right people, you know what I mean? And the right places to make sure he got off, not to get on too much of a like conspiracy theorist tangent, you know what I mean? But like when you have uh, just this like insurmountable amount of money, you can do whatever you want. Right. And that's what the series to me was more about than anything. And it's like and and it also what made me think of that is like. They just didn't I, I feel like they didn't really like with the Susan Berman thing. Right. His his friend dies is killed in Los Angeles. He is suspected of doing the killing. Right. And yet the detectives of Los Angeles don't pull a writing sample from Robert Durst and compare it to the letter. Like what? That is, that is common sense. I was thinking that the entire series, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like why were they not running writing samples against this? Why was it so easy for two movie producers 30 years or 20 years later to do that? than a police officer a day after the murder. And I feel like it's probably because Robert Durst is super rich. You know what I mean? And yeah. he could have paid off anybody he wanted to pay off. And he probably did. Not to, like I said, be too crazy about it. Yeah, I don't even think you need to go that far and to say that he, to me, what's interesting is what does the threat of money, or not even like the threat, just the the idea that this yeah. man has more wealth than small countries right. do to the way that people think about them, <clears throat> including, you know, uh, police forces and chiefs and whatever. You know, I think that just that looming cloud of money and influence <clears throat> carries with it certain, you know, implied kind of demands for how you're to be treated. Yeah. <clears throat> That I think our society responds to. Yeah. <clears throat> and, but, and, and, and that's not a shocking claim. Like, I mean, look around at the state of affairs, unless you're talking to one of the few people that I encounter on my Facebook feed about the state of America today, there's a huge disparity in the way that people are treated who do not have money and those who are treated who do have money. Right. Yeah. <clears throat> um, I want to make sure this gets on the microphone. There it is. 
You know when you hear that classic <laughs> click of the uh, twist cap coming off your... Nothing more American than those clicks. <laughs> your head for a real good time. I don't know why they don't make that the centerpiece of their ad campaign. <laughs> those 20 clicks that you hear when you open right. up. Just when you think it's over, it's not. Keep turning. <laughs> Keep turning. If you hear 19, you got one more click to goodness. Un- unless you want your cap to be dangling on by that one last, you know, just for ease yeah. of flip back. Just so it can bop you in the nose every time you take a swig. All right. The other thing I want to talk about, and the other thing that um, Jarecki's sort of belief in Durst made me really question was just you know Jarecki himself and what it what I ended up doing was um reading a little bit today uh about just what people were saying about it and I I ended up going into like a capturing the Freedmen's rabbit hole and there are a lot of people who don't believe Jarecki at all on capturing the Freedmen's. Yeah. And there's a lot of stuff he left out of that film mm-hmm. that is very damning evidence for the Freedmen's, including multiple confessions, uh, you know, taped confessions, stuff like that, uh, that just were completely left out. And so that really makes me question his, uh, I guess, filmmaking or his direction. Now, not so much with, the jinx because I think Robert Durst is guilty. <laughs> I just think it's weird that Andrew Drecky didn't see him as guilty from the beginning. Kind of. I, you know, I have to push back on that a little bit. Uh-huh. I, I don't know that I read him so, uh, willing to believe Durst as you did. Right. <clears throat> Again, I haven't seen the finale mm-hmm. and I don't have a unified theory on the show yet. So, I'm kind of giving you that that argument, but I kind of, I kind well, of. Well, and I'm not saying that he's waving the banner for Durst to be innocent, right? But, but you feel like it was there, right? I don't think text. he thought he was guilty. You know what I mean? I felt like it was kind of like the Sarah Canning deal with cereal, right? It was like on most days, if you ask me, I think I would find him innocent. Doesn't he go back to All Good Things? That's a movie that neither exactly. of us were interested. Does he portray Durst as being guilty? I mean, I I don't know, but he portrays him in such a way that Durst felt he was someone he could reach out to to then tell his story. Well, it kind of goes back to what I was thinking was I now want a documentary on why Durst did this documentary. Like because he's a crazy person. Exactly. So yeah. what if with all good I feel like I have to see all good things. What if it portrays him as the murderer and Durst just <laughs> like watches this movie just like he made a movie about me yeah I can, i'm great I, I, in this movie <laughs> yeah. Yeah. i'm really hit. maybe it's the fact that you cast him as a handsome hollywood actor durst totally misread the whole film yeah i was like oh he thinks i'm ryan gosling yeah well let's do this you yeah. know but i mean he's so crazy that i wouldn't take it you know put it past him that somebody could be like you're you know guilty and him be like I'll let you interview me. Let's do this. Yeah. You know, just yeah. randomly. Why? Why? I don't know why I did it. But. Yeah. Uh, and I'll, I'll, I'll. Unless you have anything else to say, I'll close with on the jinx. I liked it overall. I did like it a lot. I just there were just some weird things about it. But what I want is some follow up. There has to be some follow up. 
there has to be like a staircase like two episodes a couple years down the road just to follow up because the ending it's like simultaneously exactly what you want because you get the killer confessing on tape to doing it and not enough and it's not enough because that is literally the end of the show and it just is like it was one of those moments where it ended and both julie and i were both just like come on like you can't just end like i want some follow-up you know what i mean i want to see the next scene of jarecki walking in and asking for the microphone trying to be nonchalant being like uh, can we see that microphone, please? Okay, thank you. Yeah, and that's the thing, too, about like you said about the timeline. The timeline is weird because Jarecki claims they didn't f- hear that audio until two years after it had been recorded. And they only heard it because they hired some third party to go through all the audio and make sure they didn't miss anything or or weren't misrepresenting anything. Uh, you missed one thing. Yeah, here. you missed. Uh, there's this actually pretty big section at the end of the tape that you missed that you might think was important, where the guy you've been interviewing for forty <laughs> hours about not killing people admits to killing people. You missed that. It's like, and especially after like they you know, they make it a point to be like, hey, you're being recorded when you don't think you're being recorded early in the series. You know what I mean? It's like, how do they not? You know what I mean? They already got him once. Right. When they're reviewing that tape, do they get to the point where Jarecki just says, all right, thank you. And like, that's the end. And turn it off. Like, they don't listen any further than that. They don't listen to him stand up and realize, oh, he wore this microphone into the bathroom. I wonder what he did in the bathroom. You know what I mean? Like, just on a purely voyeuristic, right. you know, front. Right. It just seems so weird. Did you go one or two? And so, I, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I want to know. <laughs> exactly. Um, I don't know if that is like they're doing that for legal reasons, because I know there's some stuff where like we didn't turn it over right away because then that puts us in this territory and we wanted to make sure that this was admissible and could be used and blah, blah, blah. So I don't know if that's just, you know, the quote unquote story. Like we didn't hear this until just now. Right. But it just it seems. And that, of course, is not mentioned at all in the show. In the show, the interview ends and you follow him immediately into the bathroom. It's not like we found this later. It just is like it happens right in the time. And that's the other thing is I don't know why. It would it help if Andrew Jarecki had put that in the actual show where he's like. Four months, you know, two years yeah. after we discovered this next bit of audio, like, like have that as a right. text. No, I, I think it's great it. as it is. Okay. Because you're listening to it and you're like, what is this lunatic going to say to himself? Right. And I feel like with that title sequence in there or with that, the wording in there, you would know that it was leading to something very important. You know what I mean? Whereas instead it just is like, it's kind of like this, like, it's like, you know, it's a moment where your eyes get big and you're just like, you know, something huge is going to happen. Yeah. Um, so that's, you know, that's, that's the jinx. That's the jinx. I would like a follow up. Mm-hmm. You hear that, Sarah Caning? <laughs> Series two. <laughs> yeah. Season two of the serial. Season two of serial. All right. So my recommendation last show was a movie called The Noah. It is a 1975 movie starring Robert Strauss. 
It is about a stranded soldier uh, who is potentially the last person alive Mm -hmm. um, after what appears to be a nuclear war. And so the movie is just about him living on this island and basically losing his mind. The reason I watched it uh, and the reason why I gave you no lead up to the movie, I just wanted you to watch it, is because I was on Reddit a few months ago and it was just uh, a link to this article from... Boy, I don't remember the website now. Film Threat? No, I don't think it was Film Threat. Um, But it was one of the more well-known film sites. But it was from 2005. And the the name of the article was something like, uh, you've never seen the creepiest movie ever made. But this movie, the Noah, was being billed by these people as the creepiest movie ever. Oh, man. And that's why I watched it. So when I first watched it, I when I first started watching it, I was really disappointed because, like, this movie's not creepy at all. No. It's hilarious, actually. Right, yeah. So what did you think of the No? Obviously, you didn't think it was creepy. No. Yeah. I thought it was amazing. Yeah, it's great. I in in Letterboxd, I ran to it, and my first thought was, you know, in the age of the Criterion Collection and of all the film sites, you lose hope in finding anything that has not been found and trumpeted before, especially mm-hmm. if it's over 40 years old. Because mm-hmm. you think if something has laid that dormant for this long, with all these people actively working out there, they would have stumbled across this and been like, here's a gem. Because mm-hmm. you look at some of this stuff on Criterion Collection, you're like, that was, they must know somebody. Yeah. you know, Or it's part of a larger series that they feel compelled to include. Um, but I watched the Noah and at first I'm like, like I remember in the first like two minutes, he like runs into a door and kind of closes on him a little bit. And he's like, like stumbles through. And I was like, Oh, is this going to be like a, so bad it's good. Like this bumbling soldier who doesn't know how to end. And then there's like, there's not talking for a while. And I'm like, is the audio going to be like really horrible? And then the way it was filmed starts. It's also you're watching it on YouTube. Yeah, yeah. the The film making st- stood out to me first, where he'll cut to nature and stuff, and it's really interestingly composed shots. Mm-hmm. Where I was like, "Oh no, this is actually made really, really well." Mm-hmm. And then the voices start to come in, which is when the talking starts, mm-hmm. <clears throat> and the audio is amazing. Yeah. Uh, and so I'm like, okay, so this film looks really good. The audio is actually really good. Is this actor who is one of those guys that you kind of know, but you don't really know? I was like, is this guy going to be terrible? And he ends up being amazing yeah. in this role. And I I was in shock that this film is not... Another thing that I said in Box was this film, in my mind in all like the lists, right? 100 best war film, whatever. <clears throat> in the war films or anti-war film section, why isn't this like right after Dr. Strangelove? Like mm. it needs to be Dr. Strangelove and the Noah. Like yeah. it is that amazing. Yeah. And his use of sound collage, like the whole last 30 minutes is basically mm. just 
intercuts of different leaders speaking. Some you can identify, some you can't. Some of it is terrifying audio. There's there's one audio that sounds like a man commits suicide. Mm-hmm. Did you hear that? It was like early on, he's like <clears throat> he's like listening to the radio and just this guy like reading mm-hmm. a, a report or whatever, and then all of a sudden you hear like a gunshot, like mm-hmm. he signs off. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that there's somebody who did kill himself that way, some big military mm-hmm. leader or something. But his use, the director's use and breadth of access to these sound clips. Mm-hmm. And then did you read the film threat stuff? Mm-hmm. <clears throat> I mean, then you read and you're like, Robert Strauss was not having any lines pumped in. Mm-hmm. Like, that's just him acting. And yeah. he hated it. Yeah. yeah. He, he and the director yeah. they hated each other. Yeah. They didn't get along. <clears throat> and it's like, this movie has a great story of how it was made. Mm-hmm. It's made really well. It's got a great message. It's a great film. Yeah. It really makes you wonder why it's not on Criterion or something. Yeah. I mean, Criterion, like, especially, like, it's on YouTube. Like, I don't think they would have an issue getting licensing for this movie, right? It wasn't really released in theaters. Um, But, yeah, it's really good. And it's it's the sound collage stuff. You know, he basically becomes God, right? And Mm -hmm. he starts creating his own world. And that's replayed through, um, I can't remember if if the director said all of the audio was archival but it just is like you know archival news audio war speeches stuff like that mm-hmm. it, but it's really good i really liked it a lot um and then uh what did you think of the end um the end where he just kind of accepts the his fate right and sits down on the porch well he sees that his his radiation yeah, thing go, yeah, has turned black, so he realizes that he's going to die from radiation die poisoning. poisoning. Yeah, uh, yeah, no, I thought it was again. I think it's poignant. I think it's, mm-hmm. I, I, I mean, you know, so many times we go into or, or filmmakers try and convey the mental breakdown of a character, and whether it's like Johnny Depp seeing a million little Johnny Depps in one of the pirates, I can't remember which mm-hmm. pirates film is or whatever, to you know other more harrowing depictions of mental breakdown. This is one film that I think made it more real to me where I finally got it. I got it. How, if I was left alone, you know, you watch Castaway or you watch the last man on earth, the, the TV show, Will Forte mm-hmm. and <clears throat> you know, through comedy or, or the way that Tom Hanks is interacting with Wilson, you kind of get it, mm-hmm. but you're also like, that's weird. Yeah. In this film, I was like, that's not weird at all. This is exactly how, it, and it, and that maybe is what people thought was creepy. Mm-hmm. Is how real it made this kind of how your your mind can create these people and they can become real mm-hmm. without externalizing any of it. Like he didn't have a volleyball; right. it was all in his mind. Yeah. And the the dynamics of the people are really intense mm-hmm. and really deep. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I thought. I mean, I think. On all levels, this film needs to be preserved mm-hmm. and seen. I actually, I just follow a few like professional film critics on Twitter. I actually composed two different tweets and sent it out to a total of three film critics. Mm-hmm. I was just like, 
I don't know what to do with this. I just saw the Noah. Have you guys seen it? Mm-hmm. Just just tell me if you've seen it. Mm-hmm. Two days, I haven't heard anything. <laughs> <laughs> I don't expect. But you know where to go with it. Like right, You know what yeah. I mean? I just want like a professional to weigh and be like, oh, yeah, I saw the Noah. It's widely regarded as a lost masterpiece. Or be like, never heard of it. Or right. be like, we all hate it. And right. Like, okay. Well, it's definitely one of those movies where it's like, why isn't this on... You know what I mean? Why isn't this one of those movies that you see on a... Why isn't this one of those movies that, like, I'm sitting here and I'm like, oh, yeah, I've seen that on a list a hundred times. I've just never watched it. Yeah. And I look at a lot of lists. I am not proud of some of the lists I click on. Mm -hmm. Ten underrated (laughs) movies. You know, and it's like, okay, I'll click. And it's all the same stuff. It's just everybody feeding into each other, right? It's almost like... Somebody makes a list and then all their lists are based off of that list. You know, it's almost like AFI set the standard of lists and then everybody just kind of uses roughly, you know, those films and goes from there. But the Noah, to me, seems like a truly like underrated, underseen film that people don't know about. And it Mm -hmm. makes me think like, do these film critics think I'm talking about Noah like I'm being like I'm trolling them in some Mm -hmm. ways, you know? Mm -hmm. Because I didn't have enough space to fit in 1975, Noah. <laughs> <laughs> right. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah, um, All right. And the last thing I wanted to ask about with the Noah is on Reddit. I read a discussion on Reddit where, and I thought that this was pretty obvious, but the comment made it sound not obvious. And the replies to the comment were kind of like, I don't agree with you, basically. But the idea is that Noah is God, right? And the voices he creates are Adam and Eve, where uh, Adam is the perfect man mm-hmm. or, you know, mm-hmm. Noah's companion. And then Eve comes along, you know, Ruins and drags him bit. into mm-hmm. temptation, basically. Did you pick up on yeah. that? Do you agree? Yeah. Yeah. Did you do you feel like the metaphor goes any deeper than that? Or do you think it just is like this is just the the movie is basically just a retelling of kind of the Bible, I guess, where it's like this is Noah represents God and he creates this world. The the film threat article. What what do you think the significance of making Noah God is? Yeah, so you know, in the interview with the director, mm-hmm. he talks about how he was work, doing a screenwriting class in Israel at a film mm-hmm. school. In I Israel. guess it must have been film threat because I read that too. Yeah, and he um, number one, he seems insanely smart. Mm-hmm. Number two, he seems tied to Israel in some way. Whether, you know, I don't know if he is Jewish, um, but he seems connected to the theology in some way in terms of just knowledge, not saying that he is like a active practicing believer or anything. I don't think you have to be to make this film, mm-hmm. but I think that he's smart enough to not just make a film based on one theological idea that he had. Mm-hmm. I think he's smart enough to make a layered film that works on multiple levels. So the fact that the Noah is God and creates Adam and Eve and, you know, he could be commenting on the jealousy of God, right? How God expels them mm-hmm. and how you could say like, that was an overreaction. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, so I think theologically 
he you could take more from that and flesh that out. Mm-hmm. In terms of the actual film, I don't think that he's necessarily carrying the analogy straight through the end where like God is dying of radiation cancer, you know, <laughs> right. like yeah. radiation poisoning. Yeah. Um, so, but, but I think that in that moment, yeah, he is making a pretty clear connection mm-hmm. that this is his interpretation or a interpretation or an interesting interpretation of the Genesis story of Adam and Eve mm-hmm. and how God, you know, could have created, mm-hmm. you know? And I don't know if you want to go more in depth in, in saying, you know, we all, you know, a Christian theologian see creation as this just holy, pure and beautiful act. Mm-hmm. What if it was a psychotic <laughs> right. event? Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, a, a, that's a, interesting. A, 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 a creation out of isolation and mm-hmm. loneliness mm-hmm. and all this tumbles out. Right. I mean, that's desperation. Yeah. That's really interesting, but it doesn't have to go further than that. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, the Noah it's on YouTube. I'll link to it in the show notes. You watched a movie called force majeure. Yeah. Um, you watched it. Is it on Netflix on Netflix? Okay. So people had talked about this as, you know, some top 10 lists and stuff like that. It's a of new, last year, okay. 2014. So we were looking for something to watch, and I saw this, and we were just finished up Peaky Blinders, which I still stand by mm-hmm. as a recommendation from a few weeks ago. Mm-hmm. Um, and we watched this movie, and this movie is basically a rich family goes on vacation at a ski lodge in France. Okay. And this ski lodge does controlled avalanches so they have these cannons that fire off so they will create the avalanche and the skier won't and then kill themselves Mm -hmm. so you know you have these cannons going off like at night in the morning when no one's out there just to get the loose snow out so there's a scene where they're at this restaurant it's an open-air restaurant the cannon goes off it starts an avalanche and everybody's watching this man is there with his wife and his young son and young daughter. And you watch this avalanche come down. It gets bigger and bigger and bigger. It mm. looks like it's going to slam into the restaurant. He takes off. Mm-hmm. He books it. And the mother's left there with the two children. Mm-hmm. And then he, you know, the avalanche, because they've designed the whole lodge well, stops before it hits the restaurant. Everyone gets sprayed with some, like, Snow smoke or whatever. Um, it's like a Gallagher concert. Yes, exactly <laughs> like a Gallagher concert. And he comes back and uh, and he's basically just like, you know, is everyone okay? And everyone's like, yep, yep. They sit down and they kind of finish their meal. Right. And then that night, they're recounting the story to a couple that they're having dinner with. And he doesn't admit to running away mm-hmm. and the wife kind of loses it a little bit and is like you ran away from us and he won't admit to it mm-hmm. so and is this played like dramatically or is it supposed to be kind of funny it's supposed to be and that's one of the questions it is supposed to be a comedy i feel like the director's mainly trolling the audience with mm-hmm. his film because it is a film 
where nothing happens, mm-hmm. right? You have the threat of something happening, but nothing ever really happens from it's it. It's just right? all about this guy's decision to <laughs> run away in the heat of the moment, basically. And she can't she can't come get back on mm-hmm. the same level with him, right? And he doesn't know how to overcome it, right? He doesn't know how to get back. And the children are kind of picking up on it and their strife actually spreads to this other couple who witness this kind of total breakdown where they're really trying to hash out their stuff. And this woman introduces the idea that she maybe doesn't trust her boyfriend as much and he can't deal with it then, you know? So it's kind of about the precarious nature of relationships. Mm -hmm. It's also about, you know, the, the constant threat of danger, but nothing coming from it. Mm-hmm. And how the threat of danger can be as meaningful as going through a real tragedy, right? If you really think you're going to die if in a moment, you let it be, right? Yeah. If I went through it through a scenario where I literally thought I'm going to die right here, and literally the next second I go, I did not die. How do I come to terms with that? With those two events, mm-hmm. right? How do I come to terms with like? I am going to die. And then I didn't die. Like that doesn't make any sense to me. Right. And so that's, that's another layer on this too, where she had a real emotional experience, right? It doesn't matter that ended up just being avalanche smoke and like everyone was okay. Like she literally thought I'm going to die. And then her husband ran away. Mm -hmm. So, and it's, so is it played like kind of like a Duplass brothers, indie it's european so it's very dry it's very slow Uh, right so lots of conversations mm -hmm. lots of like images of them maybe standing on a conveyor belt as it's taking them up the mountain right so you're moving through stasis Mm -hmm. right all that kind of metaphor Mm -hmm. a man a janitor who is kind of looking down on all this happening. What does he represent? Right. At least one time I was like, is he God looking down on them or whatever? Mm-hmm. Um, so very European in, in that sense, Elise and I had a great conversation about it. Though. Mm-hmm. So I think it's an interesting movie to think about and talk about. I don't know that it's a film that I would recommend that people like throw on on a Friday night and like <laughs> have a great time. It's no doubt made well. But I, again, I have like one heart in like, I love independent film and, you know, films like this. And then another, the other half of me, like, I love mainstream films. So yeah. towards the end, I feel like, dude, you set up these these great moments, like give in on one, like mm-hmm. have a big bus crash. Like right. it's okay. You know? Like, don't just, like, set it and then, like, take it back. And, oh, here's another moment of potential danger. Oh, no, never mind. Here's mm-hmm. another one, right? And I think he's laughing through all of that. Mm-hmm. But in some sense, I'm like, are you kind of trolling us a little yeah. bit? Like, you know, in some ways, like, give in. It's okay. Yeah. Have, yeah. Have, some, have something actually happen. It's okay. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, I might check it out. We might watch it one night. Yeah, it's, it's definitely interesting to talk about. But... You know, if you get 30 minutes into it and you're like, is there anything more to this? No, there's not. (laughs) Okay. Well, keep that in mind. 
right, we took a quick break uh, because my wife came home with some groceries. And if you hear, uh, she's melting butter in the background. So if you hear, you know, cabinet slamming and pots clanging around, that's just the sound of butter melting. Uh, but we're going to talk about a game, a mobile game called... Uh, do not believe his lies. Do not believe his lies that you told me about. Mm-hmm. So how did you hear about this game? I read an article on Kotaku mm-hmm. about it where basically some users of the app hit a, a wall because it's, it's basically an increasing series of puzzles right. game <clears throat> where each puzzle is solved by a phrase that then unlocks the next puzzle. Right. And they'd been stuck on one. It was released last year, I think around July. Mm-hmm. And some people had been stuck on it on one puzzle for like eight months. Because oh, if you really? look at the Reddit, there's like five people. Like if you go back to like puzzle one, puzzle two, right? Mm-hmm. It seems like there's really only four people who are really working together to like help each other figure out, you know, the clues. Mm. And so apparently these like five people couldn't figure it out. So one of them made a video and released it. I don't even know on what, but this guy from Kotaku got it, watched the video and then did wrote his article Mm -hmm. and it got me intrigued enough. So what was the the video was just like a plea for help. Yeah. But it's like, it's used in the same format that the app is. And it's like, in July 2014, this app was released, and we've been stuck on this puzzle for eight months. Please come join us. Here's our Reddit, you know, mm-hmm. feed or page or whatever. Um, and well, they're like, please come help us. Do they share the puzzle? No, um, because they, they just direct you to their Reddit page uh-huh. where this is the type of puzzle that you can plug in the last phrase and jump to. So you don't have to solve it right. to be able to right. catch up. Right. So. You could just theoretically type in the the, the last phrase that they're right. on and then see the puzzle and just be like, you know, they weren't looking for you to like, here's the story. Here's the, right. they, they're like, just help us with this stupid right. puzzle. And apparently it worked because but, really quickly the, the article, like from the time I read it to, uh, you know, the guy's like updated. Oh, it'd been they, solved. They solved it. Oh, all right. But it is telling a story. Yes. Okay. How far into the game have you made it? I am on puzzle twenty five and or twenty eight. Approximately how many of those have you had to look the, up the answer to? Well, that's an interesting question, Justin. I think that I think the the better question is how many have I answer solved? the question? No, how many have I solved? How I many have you looked one. up? Is what I want to know. Well, see, here's the thing: I am not interested in solving these puzzles in every single puzzle myself. Mm-hmm. I am now I am interested in the journey of these four or five people sure. who have invested over a year of their life in this puzzle. And I'm taking enjoyment of following along as a observer. So right. it's like Twitch. It's sure. It's like my my ideal Twitch stream, which is you don't have to see anybody. Right. You just watch this game play out with mm-hmm. these people and you're seeing people who are totally immersed and it's in turn immersing me in it as well. Mm-hmm. Because as I go through, I'm solving each and every puzzle as best I can. And I'm referring to their Reddit page, which if you look at their Reddit page, 
they're really careful not to reveal the answer. They're only revealing the clues that they had to solve the problem themselves. And then if one of them needs help, they just say like in the Reddit feed, they're just like direct message me the answer. Mm -hmm. But nothing is on the Reddit page. So you could, you know, look at the, look at the puzzle, pull up their Reddit page and it'll say like solution puzzle 25. Mm -hmm. And all it'll say is, you know, the first person is like, this is what I'm seeing. And the next person goes like, uh, try looking at the dots. And then somebody else goes, dots are really important. Got it. Mm-hmm. And that's it. So then, you know, you know, like, oh, the dots. And then you get to play along. So how many have I solved? And how many have I, like, yeah, the I've que- looked. Keith, the question remains, <coughs> how many answers have you looked up out of 25? I mean, th- that's Quit dancing I, around it. I don't know. I don't, I don't know, but I've looked at, I've looked at there. So out of 25, if I look if I looked at 25, I would say the puzzles where I literally, and some of the puzzles I refuse to do because I'm a casual gamer. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to do the ones. Some of these are really intense. Some of these yeah. are like, you need to invert this image, print it out, and then rearrange the puzzle. Not doing it. Oh, see, I did that one. <coughs> oh, you did? Mm-hmm. <coughs> Good for you. <laughs> complete a QR code. Like, I could look at the puzzle and yeah. be like, I need to complete this QR code. I'm not going to complete the QR code. Mm-hmm. So... You know, there are some puzzles that no matter what, I'm never going to do. So out of 25, how many were those? Those are like eight, seven Mm -hmm. or eight. So take those off the table already. Mm -hmm. Now, out of the ones that after looking at the solutions I thought I could solve, I would say I've just me personally in the last two days, I've solved about six. Mm -hmm. And the rest, I've looked up the answer and then reverse engineered how they got it because some of them are like here's chemistry you know numbers and look up the the elements and it's like i could do that i'm not going to do that though that's what i was gonna say first of all i assumed it was sort it's like the nintendo password thing right where you can put in the last phrase i assumed that's how it worked but once I had assumed that's how it worked, I had already forgotten what the last phrase was that I figured out. So I, at that point, I just gave up. But I did, I think the first, so I got to the one that you have to print out and invert or whatever, but mm-hmm. I just did it in Photoshop. Yeah. I didn't actually print it out. I just cut it up in Photoshop and did it that way. Yeah, that's what most people do. Like, they'll keep it on their phone, like all yeah. the stuff that you can, you can solve on your phone. And then, so I think I did the first five or six, and I had to look up the one with the triangle and the eye in the Claritus, middle. yeah. Yeah, because it was Latin, and mm-hmm. I tried looking up the Latin, and I had no idea what it was. With light clarity or something? Something. Like I can't... Mm-hmm. No, it was like in his dreams. Something. I yeah, think it was the, the answer, dreams. but but the but the Latin phrase. Oh, yeah. I don't remember what the Latin like is. like in, in Latin clarity. Yeah. And, or, and or even then, I have brightness. no idea how that leads to in his dreams. Like it's around the so you have to increase your screen. Brightness I did. All the way. I looked at the triangle. I didn't see it anywhere. And then you can put it in Photoshop. If if your screen brightness is not working, people will put put that image Oof. in Photoshop and then up the brightness and it'll be visible. Yeah. All right. But you can well, you can kind of see it on my like. I looked on my phone. I couldn't see. Yeah. It. On on my phone, like I showed Elise this last night, and I showed her in our blacked out room. Mm-hmm. So maybe that helps, but she looked and she was like, Oh, and it's in his, in my mm-hmm. dreams. And I was like, yeah. And then I got to the one 
where ha- so they do Morse code in the beginning, right? Yeah, yeah like I did that one. Easy. I enjoyed doing just, that one. Yeah. yeah, type you just search the more or you do translate the Morse code, and it feels really good to solve these puzzles. Sure, I I, it it does. But then they have one that's like an audio Morse code, right? You have to slow down, and so that one is just like I don't even know where to begin with this. So right. just like forget it. I was like. I don't I, I don't want to play a game where I'm relying heavily on just looking the answers up. See, but but that's where I find the enjoyment of pulling up that Reddit you know stream mm-hmm. and then seeing the people work it out themselves. Sure. And the people who did do that, you know, like I'm not that person, but does that mean that I can't participate in the experience that even they are having? Yeah. I don't think so. I think that's that's what's great about Reddit and the internet is like I get to participate yeah. in things like this while not being the person who's like, I'm not going to slow down this audio. I don't right. care. <clears throat> but <clears throat> but some of these puzzles are great, like the screenshot, mm-hmm. the spinning wheel. Mm-hmm. Like I saw that one and that felt good and screenshotting was creepy. It was. <clears throat> yeah. So are you. Do- I might not- download <clears throat> it again, but I have to look up that stupid audio morse code one i just don't like doing that it's well look just, if you <coughs> if you want i would rather I just read through the reddit and not download the game <laughs> not have to do all the work yeah well what, what i have is i have one screen open that or one tab open that has just the solutions with mm-hmm. with no explanation of how that person got it and then i have the reddit stream open mm-hmm. and then i have the app so first thing i always do is go to the app Whatever puzzle I'm on, I'll check it on Reddit and I'll see what they are talking about at the very top to see like, is this a puzzle that I can I can solve? Because they're not going to give the solution, mm-hmm. and and a lot of times because you have to like pay for a hint or whatever, they'll put the hint on there. So I'll read the hint. Yeah, but you have to buy it. Exactly, but on the Reddit they'll, they'll post it because somebody right. will buy it. Yeah. So so I read the hint and I try and solve it. And if I don't solve it, then I read further down all of what they were talking about. And usually there's enough clues there where I'll be like, oh, this guy loaded this in another program. Not going to do it. And then I'll just look at the at the next phrase in the in the list mm-hmm. without reading ahead. Like I'll scroll a little down, see it, plug it in, go into the next one. Yeah. All right. Yeah, I might check it out again. And, and doing that, it still has taken me two days to do 25. Yeah. So, you know, I'm not like just blowing through this thing, but I'm not spending... These guys have spent over a year. Yeah, more than anything, I just want to see the puzzle that they were stumped on. Exactly. I'm building... And that's what's exciting, too, is when you go to their Reddit, because mm-hmm. I, I just plugged in their, their basic Reddit mm-hmm. stream, is it you know kind of ranks them based on comments and stuff. So if I'm looking at one and it's on their second page, I know, like... It's a really easy puzzle. Mm-hmm. But if it's on the first page, I know like this one's really hard. Right. So I love going to like, oh, this is a first page puzzle. Like, you know, because <laughs> it's got like 20 comments. Like right. they really had to work versus the other ones where it's like, this is the problem. Yeah. Solved it. Turn your brightness up. Turn your brightness up. Yeah. You know, look at look at the dots. You know, constellation. Yeah. Just look up the constellation. All right. Last thing we're gonna talk about is music. I listened to a couple of interesting albums this week. Whole albums? Whole albums. Oof. The whole thing. Start to finish. I listened to the new Jeff the Brotherhood, which is streaming on NPR today. I saw that. I almost clicked on it at work today, but I didn't. Mm-hmm. It's all right. 
I guess I'm, I don't think I'm a huge Jeff the Brotherhood fan, but it's all right. It's pretty good. Uh, but I listened to another band that I thought was, I I hesitate to say really good because the music is kind of so generic, but it's a band called The Districts. Have you heard of them? Why do I feel like I have <clears throat> a bunch? They're just a bunch of teenagers from Pennsylvania, and it is just kind of pretty generic rock music. But it's good. I like it. Okay. The Districts. Pretty generic rock, rock music, music from teens. I wouldn't in even Philly. say check it out if oh. you've got like. 40 minutes to kill. <laughs> if you really have to have something on in the background, the districts. Is it work music or is it? Uh, I listened to it in my car a little bit today, I think. So it's not like w- work and listen to this. Music? I, don't, I don't do much work, so I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but it's good. I like it. It just is very generic. Okay. It's like there's just nothing kind of nothing that. special to it. Right. Yeah. yeah. But it's solid. I liked it. I think you just wrote a review for our podcast. <laughs> Pretty generic, but solid. Right. <laughs> Maybe work to it or don't. You can definitely drive home listening to it. Mm-hmm. Um, Have you been listening to anything? Yeah. I. Have you I'm been debating. listening to anything that is not female led electronic music? <laughs> I've been I've been debating. Uh, where I should go with this one. Uh-huh. Um, both of them are going to not interest you. All so, right. b- And since I'm already on a roll, why not just go for it? Right. Um, but I'll go more safe, and then next week I'll go just back out towards, out of the the, water, huh? yeah, towards the female electronic uh-huh. music. But Father John Misty, I listened to his last yeah. one, uh, I Love You, Honey Bear. Uh-huh. <clears throat> and just like that title implies, he does like to juxtapose like I love you honey bear you know pretty generic sentiment you know kind of sweet with a nightmarish line about incest mm-hmm. you know and uh and I mean he thinks it's clever and who am I to argue he's got a way better voice than I do see that's why I don't <laughs> like him because it seems like he's he's being it's just is like when you think you're being so clever, I feel like you're not being, not being clever, clever anymore. At all. You know what I right. mean? It's like it's kind of like it's like the people that call themselves weird. You know what right. I mean? It's like the people who are weird don't know that they're weird. Well that's what makes them so weird. Well, you're going like back if you're calling yourself weird, you're not weird. You're you, just like trying to get attention. You know who I take more issue with? Actually, this is like one of my first tweets ever. Uh-huh. Is the people who have unique written like on their sweatpants or whatever. <laughs> right. And I'm like, if you're truly unique, you would find a better way to declare it than right. writing unique in bubble yeah. font. On well, your you're sweat- also not buying a pair of pant that has unique on it that's probably been made over a million times. <laughs> Like right. literally the opposite of unique. Unique. <laughs> so I, I take more issue. Those yeah, I'm like He just bugs me because he just seems kind of smug, I guess. Mm, right? Like yeah. I watched his Letterman performance. Yeah, he's just too much for me. He just he just seems too 
it feels like he's being clever more for the attention it brings him than for the sake of like anything else making a point. Yeah. Well, yeah. And, and I mean, and that I think again goes back to his probably what kind of gets under skin a little bit mm-hmm. is that, you know, he would argue like exactly. I'm not making a point like right. in his not making a point. Right. He's still making a point of like, see how clever I am, right? Like, I don't have to write songs about, like, he doesn't have to write generic love songs or whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, He can write love songs about, you know, a wedding dress that your mother was probably murdered in and (laughs) and still talking about, like, you know, or really explicit songs about, you know, having sex with his wife. They're still love songs. Right. Um, I, though, love his voice. Yeah. Yeah, with that being said, I haven't listened to the album. Yeah, his his voice is amazing, mm-hmm. and I think his music is good. Mm-hmm. It's not like tear my hair out, like let me rush the stage. Amazing, but it'll get you through. He's no Sufyan, right? Don't even start. <laughs> Don't even start. Uh-huh. All right. Anything else? That's 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 your. Uh... Uh, I guess I can tease next week. Be ready for Wildcat. Wildcat. That's a girl band? Nope. Oh, all right. If you like local natives. I've never listened to local natives. Well, then maybe you should listen to Wildcat Wildcats. All right. I know I've seen the name. With two exclamation marks. I, yeah, yeah, I've seen the name. All right, well, that does it. Uh, we're going we're gonna to take a break, and we'll come back with uh, recommendations. What is your recommendation? My recommendation is a web series that I haven't seen a lot of, mm-hmm. but I've seen enough. And the second season has come out and people are freaking out about mm-hmm. it. So I figured it's time for me to get on board and I'll bring you on board along with me. Mm-hmm. And that is a series called High Maintenance. And it's on YouTube? It's on Vimeo. Okay. And so you can watch it at work. <clears throat> and um, it's not like super long episodes or anything. So I think <clears throat> I think I want to recommend both seasons. Like I'd okay. like I'd like to. But if we can only knock out one, let's do the first one. Is it starring or made by anybody recognizable? Now it's starting to be when it first came out. It had I want to say one of the guys from Downton Abbey. Mm-hmm. In like the main role, and then it's really big on like um, guest stars. Like mm-hmm. celebrities will pop up. It basically follows a um, a, a guy who sells marijuana, medical marijuana, mm-hmm. um, and will deliver to people's houses. And it's about these people he runs into, like mm-hmm. on his route. So. You have return people, and you have crazy characters, and you have really poignant stuff, you know, that he runs into. But it's all executed really, really well. And, you know, from what I saw, I was like, oh, this is good. But I didn't stick with it. But now, like, you should read, just type in high-maintenance reviews and mm-hmm. just read, go to Metacritic and read some of this. And people are, like, 
Does Metacritic keep reviews on web series? Well, I didn't actually do it, but I was saying like if <laughs> oh, you if you go to some right. site that that kind of right. gets I'm sorry, that just seemed like a weird thing for Metacritic to keep track of. Yeah, well, if you want to wrap it up, I will pull it up and I will see if they do. It wouldn't surprise me if they did. Yeah. No, that's true. It wouldn't surprise me either. All right. Well, I will watch that. I guess you will watch it as well. You'll finish watching it at least. Yeah. So the entire second season is out now, or they're still releasing it? Um, I, I'm not currently watching, but um, I think... What kind of recommendation is this, Keith? <laughs> um, but yeah, I think I think it's I, I think it's weekly. Okay. Like, that, that's how the first season was. Right. But I don't know how far into the second season they yeah. are. I just know that. Okay. All right. Yeah. Well, I'll check it out. Uh, so yeah, that's the end of the show. You can not follow me or the show anywhere on social media, but you can email me. Uh, my email will be in the show notes. You can follow Keith on Twitter. He is at Things Come Right. I am, and I'm still knocking it out of the park on there. Yeah, every once in a while. Every once in a while, right? About once a month. Yeah. Uh, But when I post, it it causes ripples. Let's just say that. (laughs) It's like a butterfly effect. (laughs) It's a butterfly effect. (laughs) So you have to be, you know, careful when you choose to post something. Exactly. All right. Well, uh, we will see you next week. Thank you.